Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey, everyone. It's another episode of Cinematics. Bruce, whenever I do the intro, it's not as strong or as mainly as, oh, don't you miss Anderson's growl and roar? Should maybe you, Bruce, or Eric take over the intro? Eric, Bruce, can I, I want to hear the forum, the floor, the, the majority. Let's start with you, Bruce. Should you start the intro? Oh, no, no, no. Go? None of us can do Anderson the way Anderson does it, so we shouldn't oh. even try. We just do our own flavor, oh. and every so often we, uh, like, except Eric's going to try, uh, every so often we just, we just like the mob, we, we, we pull him back, we bring him back in, and we just make him do it. Or we can get him to record a bunch of, like, uh, <laughs> sound bites, and we can just drop him in like a drop. <laughs> That's a good idea. Anderson bot. Anderson bot. Here you go. Anderson Cowan, loadedforbear.com, right? Is that Eric Holmes? Is that mm. correct? Loadedforbear.com. Yes. We, we have to promote it. You know, Anderson Cowan, he's ready for he's doing a short on Loaded for Bear documentary, narrative feature. We definitely want to promote you, Anderson Cowan. All you need to do is send us drops of you screaming. It's <laughs> a cost for this. <laughs> yeah, this, that's your that's your blood cost, Anderson Cowan. If you are listening, I know you still listen to the show you co created with me back in 2015, taken over by our betters, Bruce and Eric Holmes. Bruce Brook and Eric Holmes. Eric Holmes. Bruce actually is sort of self deprecating, like me. Whenever we go, "Ao," it sounds like me. We're, Bruce and I are so old; it sounds like we're trying to catch our breath as opposed to screaming. We're, we're trying to get that ga- last gasp of air. Correct, Bruce? I think we're, we're, are we on ventilators? Sounds like, like hey, oh, yeah. So, hey, so, hey, oh, <laughs> so yes, exactly, Bruce. Eric Holmes, you as the younger version, the the younger part of no. this whole trio. No, you can can you. you Quote unquote, do you want to do the intro or do you think we should let go to the Anderson drop? Let's see if Anderson send us drops or do you want to take over the the reins, the Anderson counter reins? I, I, I actually like the Anderson drop just because, <laughs> just because like it, it keeps Anderson alive on cinematics, Anderson, and, and that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing, Anderson count. Here's the thing you know, this Bruce Berkey and Eric Holmes are way smarter than me and way more insightful. Send us those drops and we will continue. You know what? Even if you don't send us those drops, we will continue to plug votedforbear.com. Good luck on your short, your documentary, all that stuff you're doing with Mike Carano and the wonderful kids. And just go to loadedforbear.com for more information on his film. That was just an unintended plug. Who knows? We might have different plugs down the road. That we might have some magic situation going in the future. I don't know. We'll see what happens. That's a little bit of a clue. Eric Holmes, at the end of every episode, we do what's coming out this week. But Eric, we are covering so many movies this week. I don't even know if we need a preview. I will do a very little surprise preview at the end of this episode as far as another movie coming out on Friday. But we have so many things to cover. Bruce Perky, as far as I'm looking down at Mr. Mr. Oregon, Dear David, The Kane Mutiny Court Martial, The Royal Hotel, Divinity, in the fire from the movies you've watched as long along with your box pick shock corridor are there movies that listeners can get excited about or should they just leave the episode right now just play the download and save that extra hour bruce you be the arbiter of that decision they should never save the hour even if they're all terrible (laughs) they would want to hear what at least eric wants to say about them but i would say no there are in my opinion let me look here one two three i have to do a lot of counting here this is uh there's at least i would say at least three quality movies in the bunch Oh, okay. And I didn't watch three, so there you go. I, there might be six. I don't know. 
And who knows, Bruce, you might pull a couple of movies out of the proverbial hat. Who knows? We'll see how this show flows. As far as recommendations, you've seen another couple of movies that you might recommend or might warn our cinematic listeners to watch or not watch. Eric, your movie week, how was your movie week in general? Looking at the Google Doc from the movies that you've seen, the movies we're covering, are you excited? Are there some value picks for our listeners this week? Yeah, uh, there's uh, one of them might be my favorite movie of the year. Actually, two, three of them might be my favorite movie of the year. Eric, uh, we, we, and one, no, no. And one I hate wrong. with every fi- fiber of my being. Oh, the favorite movie of the year. You're wrong about that, Eric, because we, we did review it, Vindicta, last week. So... That's that was last week. So that was your favorite. Movie. I, I did. I did like that. I did like that. It, <laughs> it, 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 uh, uh, Pete, like it, that was the uh, that was the wide berth of the my star rating does not match how much I enjoyed it. And Bruce, do you agree? Do you understand the complex nature of Eric Holmes's ratings? He was the creator of the three star banger. He gave Vindicta two stars, but he said he had so much fun with the movie. Do you think that two star rating is valid for some reason? I think. That makes kind of sense to me, which it didn't last week, but it sort of makes sense. That two-star rating, but still enjoying the film. Do you understand that? Oh, yeah, for sure. I've I've had a few of those in the past where I just had a heck of a fun time, but I, I just can't in all good conscience call it a good movie. Or I, I think for a while I was trying to call them one-star bangers. I don't know exactly. That, it's hard to figure out. That's probably Vindicta. Yeah. It's like something where you like, not only – so a three-star banger, right, is like it's so good in its own like – like lane, but some people that aren't in that lane won't enjoy it. But people who are in that lane should love it. So we do that three star banger kind of thing. Like it's it excels in that particular thing. But there's some that don't even excel in that particular thing. But for whatever reason, you had a heck of a fun time watching them. But they're really, in your opinion, terrible. That could be I, one star banger. I, yeah. I also did mention last week, and I want to mention again, Comporis and Nicolas Cage. They need to do a movie together. They absolutely <laughs> need it, and and not a good movie, like a like a like street to DVD trash kind of movie. I I would love that. That sounds very realizable. That doesn't sound like a very hard dream to have happen. Well, if I if I was independently wealthy, I would fund that right the hell now. And because Elena Camporis <laughs> and Nicolas Cage would be good together because of what Eric? Well, because they, they they both they both work well in the kind of. Uh, you know, they, they both been in good movies, but they've also like, they work well in that kind of, that kind of lane, that kind of trashy sort of lane. And I, I just kind of, you know, that there's something, there's something to be said about those kind of movies. And by the way, if I'm funding this movie, if I'm independently wealthy and funding this movie and I read the script and it's good, I'm like, nope. What are your notes? Make it worse. <laughs> this cannot be, <laughs> this needs to be so bad. It's good. Okay, before we, we get into our reviews, I look, I think Scorsese said this a week and a half ago, and I'm paraphrasing. He does not like the term indie movies because when you mention indie movies, there's sort of a black mark when you say indie or that proverbial scarlet letter because when maybe your average moviegoer sees indie, they go, oh, well, that means probably cheap or I don't like to watch it. I'd rather watch a tentpole film and they'll avoid it altogether. Do you agree with Scorsese by saying just call a film a film as opposed to indie movies? Because it's Scorsese. I trust Scorsese's opinions more than my own opinions. What do you guys think? Should we still keep on calling indie movies indie? And uh, Let's start with you, Bruce. Oh, Eric, you go. You go ahead. I, I, I was going to say, you do call it any movies. And the reason for that is you need to differentiate what you're talking about. Um, because indie movie has, uh, you know, 
it, it kind of meets expectations, so to speak. Oh, this this wasn't good. The special effects weren't as good. Yeah, it's an indie movie. It costs like ten dollars to make, as opposed to uh, blockbuster movies, which cost hundreds of millions of dollars to make. It, I think it's an important distinction to make. I see what he's saying, but I just don't agree with it. Bruce, what do you think? I agree with Eric. I think it's old man yells at clouds. I mean, I uh, love Scorsese, but yeah, I mean, it's there's a differentiation for a reason with meaning. And I think for people who don't care, they're not going to care anyway. If you say indie or studio movie, they're going to probably, if they don't care at all, they're probably just going to go see studio movies anyway. They're not going to even notice the indie movies. So people who care might want to support specifically an indie movie over some giant tentpole blockbuster studio movie. So in other words, you're actually maybe giving more incentive to certain super hardcore movie fans to support indie. Okay. Well, that's very great insights from Bruce and Eric. I think moving forward, we will use indie when we talk about indie films, because to be honest, for cinematics, we really cover, I would say 90 to 95% of our film output reviews are indie driven films. And we want to spotlight these movies because look, a lot of you will go see tentpole films or stream the latest movie on Netflix or Paramount Plus or Max and good on you for that. Our job is not to tell you what you're going to already see on Friday or Saturday. Our job is to spotlight some movies that may miss your own personal algorithm. You do not have time to be digging into the weeds because I'm sure you have a job, you have other things. Our job is to help you find some of these, hopefully some treasures. And we find we find some hopefully this week. Let's start with a filmmaker that I think all three of us have a special connection with because we love his work. Rest in peace to filmmaker William Friedkin, the reason why I think we should start off with the Kane Mutiny Court Martial, which Eric Holmes is going to review in a second, is because it's already out. It's already out on its, you can actually get it on Paramount Plus with Showtime, which I I subscribe to. I subscribe to so many different streaming channels. I am bankrupt. I don't even need, I don't even eat on a given week. But here's the good news. Eric Holmes was able to get a screening link of the Kane Mutiny Court Martial Eric Holmes is the nominee for this review because courtroom dramas are his bread and butter. I'm putting words into your mouth, Eric. I apologize no, for that. Not. I okay. put those words in my mouth. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to head this over to you. Your thoughts on this movie, what it's about. I'm looking at some, there's some really good actors. Jason Clark is in it. William Friedkin also penned the screenplay. What were your thoughts on this 103-minute movie? What can people check out? So I, I tried to watch the, the original K-Mutiny before the show. I only got through half of it but uh from what i can tell of the original it's uh seems to be them on the ship the the mutiny transpiring and then i don't know what comes after that because i didn't finish the movie the k mutiny court martial written and directed by william freakin is all kind of similar to 12 angry men you're in the courtroom they don't really you know how they do that transition that time transition like we've been here a while it doesn't do that. The whole runtime is from from the beginning of the, the court-martial till the end of the court-martial. And then there's a little thing at the end. The thing at the end is so good. <laughs> so good. And I don't think it would be that good had it not been for the everything that came before it. it it's about as pure of a courtroom drama as you can get because it's just them in the courtroom. You know, it's all, you know, they say don't show, don't tell or whatever. This is the exact opposite of it because you don't get to, they don't leave the courtroom at all. You you just hear the, uh, the lawyer 
is presenting the case, the witnesses uh, commenting on it, all the normal courtroom stuff you have. And as far as I can tell, the court, the whole thing lasted hour and a half, maybe. I don't know. It felt like 15 minutes to me. Um, but you know, I, this catnip for me. Um, but I, I just love the, the purity of the, the courtroom drama after the judge, you know, makes his ruling, a bunch of the people gathering together and they're commenting on everything we just saw. And Jason Clark absolutely channels William Freakin. I don't know William Freakin. I just seen him, you know, in interviews, the toast that Jason Clark does at the end just felt like, uh, William Freaking going, yeah, that King Mutiny movie was pretty good. Let me tell you what I really think about what happened to these characters because this is some <laughs> shit. <laughs> wow. And it, it just, it, and so good. And it, it's sad that William Freaking's gone and this is his last movie. Was it the sort of bittersweet line, watching the ending the, because how good this movie, it seems that the, you really loved it. The silver lining is that this movie is fantastic. This is one of my favorite movies of the year. It's probably one of my favorite movies ever. Just, oh, come on. Just, Are you serious? One of your favorite I lo- movies I, ever. I love this movie so much. I, it, it's not going to bump Gremlins off, but it, it, it's going it, to it's going to get near Gremlins. I, I will watch this movie a bunch of times and not get bored of it. This is like everything I want in a courtroom drama. Just kind of, it's just distilled and it's great. The fact that that last scene with Jason Clark going off. It felt, it's weird. It felt like, uh, it felt like Willem Freaking kind of, uh, saying not, not his last rights. That, that sounds weird, but like that, I, I felt Willem Freaking's voice coming through Jason Clark at the end. And that, that was really, you know, it, it worked for the movie just in a vacuum, but it also worked. I, I couldn't pick a more perfect swan song than the Cape K Mutiny Court Martial. Wow. That is very high praise from Eric Holmes. The affirmation. Jason Clark, he plays Navy, skeptical naval lawyer, Barney Greenwald, who's, I guess he's a main player in the this movie, Eric Holmes. And also Kiefer Sutherland, who Eric Holmes had his own thoughts regarding Kiefer Sutherland's performance in Dark City. How did Kiefer do as Lieutenant Phyllis, Philip Francis Quig? How was he in this one? How does that compare so, to Dark City? I'm so glad we covered Dark City because... Kiefer Sutherland's performance in this made me retroactively like his performance in Dark City more <laughs> because that, that performance in Dark more. City was so bad. <laughs> but without that performance, we don't get his performance in Kane Mutiny Court Martial. And when you watch it, like you'll see how his voice cadence goes. We don't get this performance from Kiefer Sutherland had he not stumbled with, or in my opinion, he stumbled with Dark City previously. So it, it's kind of like Dark City was the medicine we had to take down to get to Cape Mutiny <laughs> Court Martial. All right. So uh, what is your rating on the Kane Mutiny Court Martial? Again, available now, Paramount, Paramount Plus via Showtime. 6.9 stars, verging on seven. <laughs> verging on seven. Rest in peace. If, 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 if there was a joke to have with uh, seven stars, then this would be... I, I adore this movie so much. Oh, wow. This is so good that you actually got to see this. Bruce, I, do we have time to see this next week or not because of the movies we have to cover? I don't know, but we have to sneak it in at some point, I guess. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. So, okay. A movie that Bruce and I was able to sneak in within the last several days is this movie called The Royal Hotel. Physically, it's not a very demanding job. The only thing that can be a little bothersome is the remoteness of the location. Will there be kangaroos? We're in the middle of nowhere. 
Yep. Down the back, up the stairs. Down the back, up the stairs, mate. You're the new girls. Yeah. yeah. We're on vacation. We should be on a beach somewhere. We have sunshine and booze in a box. Let's put up with it for a few weeks. Make some cash. It'll toughen us up. Right. Gold is for Carl Gold. Red is Redland. Honey's in his hand. You get him a beer. Why do you want to come all the way out here? It was the furthest away. Lean in a little when you serve him down, eh? <laughs> Uh, Dickens? Dickens Cider? <laughs> They're disgusting. It's a tip. That's enough. Come in, go. Hey? We're leaving. We're out. Where are you gonna go, eh? Bus is not for two days. I'm scared of everyone and everything in this place. Make what you can, get on the bus and go. I look at here, it's a film by Kitty Green, who's a filmmaker, I believe the writer as well. It stars Julia Garner from Ozark and Bruce, you've seen her in The Assistant. She's a very popular actress, award-winning actress. And of course, Jessica Henwick is also in this. They are the main characters. They play... uh, Bruce, I think they're, are they Canadian or they're, I think they're American, right? They're, they're American tourists. I think they tell people they're Canadian because that's what you tell people when you go travel abroad because people hate Americans. So if you tell them you're Canadian, then they are more apt to treat you well. Oh, okay. All right. So they're, they're supposed Canadian tourists who actually travel to the Australian outback. They're in Australia at the beginning. The Jessica Henwick's character realizes that due to a, because of a credit card situation, there's no money left in their sort of account. So they need to take some kind of menial job that'll pay the, pay the bills. They find a job working, tending bar at the quote, the Royal Hotel. It's out in the middle of nowhere in the Australian outback. What happens when two young, beautiful women go out into a basically a mining town filled with mainly men in just this whole outback deserty area where everything is arid. It says there's, there's a pool, but it's not really a pool. It's a big hole because it's a, <laughs> there's no It's pool. like a wall on the ground with <laughs> that used to have water in it, basically. Spoiler alert, the Royal Hotel, the only water that's available in the Royal Hotel is probably alcohol. That's it. That, that's water-based, but really it's a very dry tree. And, and Eric won't put his thumbs up on that. Yeah, it's a very dry movie, but there's a lot of things that happen because obviously the the men in this movie, there's several men who actually pose as a threat to these women. And we get to see throughout the 95 plus minute narrative if these women will can survive this harrowing experience in the Royal Hotel. 
Bruce, you know this movie. Well, you and I have both seen Wake and Fright. We have been, right. when Eric Holmes has the time, he's going to, he doesn't have the time because like us, he's seeing so many movies every week. This is one of these things where we're encouraging Eric Holmes down the line to see Wake and Fright. We've both seen Wake and Fright, that Australian Outback cult film, which is amazing. You've done me better because you've seen the documentary that this movie is inspired by. What What is your thoughts? It's, I looked on Wikipedia. It's actually inspired by that hotel. What is it? Cool Guardi or something like that? Yeah, Hotel Cool Guardi. Uh, yeah, mean, which, someone in, in uh, the Cinematics Facebook group had recommended that, I want to say, like two or three years ago, and I had just watched it. Uh, then so I, I had almost forgotten about it but yeah i think i'll be curious to see how you respond to this because i respond to it based on kind of the real hand knowledge of sort of that situation that's depicted here it's not the story that's depicted here but it's the basic situation that they've got going on there okay so, so. your thoughts on the royal hotel but then before that backtrack should people also watch the documentary as a compliment or maybe just as a standalone yeah, I think either way, it it goes either way. I think it's it's a very fascinating documentary period because there's this kind of weird thing, and I don't know if I got the wording right, but it's something like um, traveling work or traveling employment. They have some kind of a weird name where it's this thing where if you're traveling through Australia, you can kind of do it and then work places as you go. But in like this hotel, they pretty much just hire young single women to work in this hotel in the middle of nowhere with that's pretty much populated like 99% by miners coming out of the hills, <laughs> you know, or coming out of the mine uh, to, to drink it during the night. And to the point when you, at one point in this movie, you see that they, the hotel has put up a sign just literally saying fresh meat. So, so the miners know there's new women coming. And as it, it starts, it's really great because as it starts, our two main women are coming in and it's the last night of the two previous women and the two previous women are are just drunk laying on the ground dancing on the bar flashing the patrons more drunk than the patrons on their way out the door pretty much and this is just kind of setting the scene and these women that are are starting in this Hannah and Liv that we're going to follow really have no idea what they're getting into they're looking at us like oh we're on a we're on a trip we're kind of like cross-countrying it this is going to be a kind of a grand adventure hey who knows let's see what this is like it'd be really interesting to see how this movie plays for people because it it sets itself up almost like a horror movie but it doesn't quite play out like that and i think the best way someone else on the group i think described this as an anxiety movie and i think that's a great description Right. And I think for me, how it really works is this, especially the Julia Garner character, uh, Hannah. She is essentially like, imagine if you are, and probably a lot of people have been in the situation, you're like the sober person at the party. Maybe you're the designated driver or whatever. So imagine you're the sober person at the party every night. And every night, this party is on the verge of careening out of control into violence and or sexual assault. That's essentially their workplace. Oh, and by the way, they live upstairs from the bar. <laughs> so, and that's essentially the, the situation. And what they do is they just populate it with a few uh, bar goers that become um, kind of stand-ins for certain types of dudes that they kind of encounter on a more a more deep basis than just the average guys in the, the bar. So you have kind of the the kind of nice sort of charming younger guy that kind of comes there and he and he's and he seems like kind of a good guy. You have the guy that's kind of sullen and, and awkward, but wants to kind of be the protector dude, you know, kind of wants to protect their, I don't know, honor or something. And then you have the dude who's the obvious creeper. And that's kind of your three main guys that keep reoccurring. And watching how all those three kind of subplots play out is also kind of interesting. But really, at the core of this, especially Garner, 
Garner is like the, I mean, she is your protagonist really honestly throughout this thing. And I think your enjoyment of this will depend a lot on kind of what your expectation for it is. So if you're looking for kind of your blow up revenge rape kind of drama, or if you're looking for some kind of a, a super hardcore uh, actiony violent sort of uh, buildup, sort of say like a straw dogs, that's not what this is. This is really a drama at heart, but it's very interesting. I, I kind of quite like this movie. Hugo Weaving from The Matrix. If you have yeah, any. I didn't even know it was him until I read at the end. I was like, oh my God. Right. He's the owner of the Royal Hotel and he's their boss who's not exactly good with paying wages to his workers or the the distributors of his food and his liquor, his spirits and all that stuff. So he has his own problems. He's He, like so many people, is not afraid to actually drink his own drink and eat his own food. There is also a, I, I, I guess, a his companion who we're assuming she's been part of the Royal Hotel even when, when his father was alive. So they have a weird, intricate relationship. They live not at the hotel. They live in the sort of a, a detached trailer right outside the hotel. So Kitty Green builds up a really interesting world within the 95 minutes. But again, like Bruce was saying, please do I do not I'm not saying this is false advertisement, but you may feel this has it does have thriller elements. There are tense elements, but this is a nerve-wracking drama that is slow burn at parts and more analytical and possibly insightful. And all of that stuff makes me wonder about the end, which is kind of cool, which we're not going to talk about, but I still felt it was kind of out of place because that ending should have been tacked on to the thriller horror type of movie Mm, that one was to expect (laughs) from the Royal Hotel. I didn't mind it, but it's one of those things. It felt a little bit truncated to me, and it sort of cheated for me a lot of the dynamics and interplay that was going on before. Visually and aesthetically, I liked it. But, anyways, Bruce, final thoughts on the Royal Hotel before ratings? Yeah, I would just say I think it's I think it's it's specifically calculated to work against the stereotypical male version of this. I think that is absolutely part of the point of this movie. And I think that will also be disappointing to a lot of people as well, depending on what they're looking for. I, 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 I know what you mean about the end. I honestly, it was such a small thing as far as the overall arc of the story that I, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm fine with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was almost just like a closing title card to me in the sense, like it, it, it didn't need to be there and it didn't hurt it really for me in the overall, I guess, scheme of things. Uh, but I, yeah. I'm I I would wholeheartedly recommend it to people who like indie <laughs> movies. <laughs> yeah, for me the Royal Hotel, above average drama, beautifully shot, very tense. I'd I'd go back and watch certain sections. Again, very good performances. Four stars for me for the Royal Hotel. What about you, Bruce? Uh, I started at four, and every day I sit with it, I like it a little bit more. I'm gonna go four and a half on this one. Four and a half. So it surprised you had how the buildup over the last several days, the momentum that you you're lo- loving it even more. Yeah, there's just a lot of little details as I think back on it that I think are really, really good. And it's it's really, I think, I think it's well written and really well directed. I, I, I've i seen two of Kitty Green's movies now, and I think I'm looking forward to anything else that she does. So Okay, so Bruce also recommends, along with Hotel, I believe Cool Guardy, he rem- which was not directed by Kitty Green, but he also rec- recommends The Assistant, which was directed by For sure. Kitty Green. The yeah, previous Assistant's movie. great. Which also stars, I believe, um, what Julia Garner, right? Is that mm-hmm. yep. okay? Julia Garner. Okay. So next up is a movie that Eric Holmes was asking me and Bruce about 
about two hours ago. He was wondering about what movie we sh- he should cover. He had a couple of hours left to kill, just to s- devour a couple of movies before this podcast started. And he, he was, I was saying, Mr. Organ would be a documentary that he might love, he might get annoyed by or frustrated by, or he might <laughs> feel both feelings about Mr. Organ. I see on our Google Docs that Eric Holmes was able to get watch Mr. Organ before might be the- his most hated movie of the year, for apparently, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens. But it, it is directed by journalist and filmmaker David Ferrier of the the, do- the previous documentary Tickled, which I loved years back. But Mr. Organ, what? Bruce, what is the name of Mr. Organ? He's Michael Organ, I believe. I think his his name is Michael uh, Organ. Yeah, it's Michael Organ, or he goes by quite a few different versions Organ. of that name, But I think more Michael Organ is considered the name, yeah. Right. And so the premise starts with David Ferrier. Ferrier he, wrote, he started, yes, he's a journalist. He wrote an article about parking lot clamping, which was spearheaded by Michael Organ. And he was a part of this whole article, and Organ didn't like it. And Farrier started digging deeper and realized that Oregon is more than just a parking lot clamper, meaning he was sort of a parking lot security guy, seemingly, where the documentary starts. And he's protecting the parking spot of the owner of this antique store in a prime section of, I believe, I don't know if it's Auckland or a part of New Zealand, a very Tony town, a very rich town. And for people who illegally park in that spot, he would clamp their, their tire and he would charged them $760 or an exorbitant amount. And he said, if you don't pay me this money, I'm going to call the authorities and your clamp's still going to be there. You just Or pay me the money right now and I'll take the clamp out. So that was supposed to be an article that David Ferrier wrote. He wrote it, he published it. And then he started to get to know a little bit about Michael Organ or Organ and realizing that, wait, why does he spell his name differently? Wait, Michael Organ is part of a royal family? He comes from royalty. Wait, what is his connection to the owner of that antique store? She's a little bit older than him. Are they together or are they not? Wait, who else lived with Michael Organ? And the documentary, like a mystery, starts interviewing people who've known Organ over the years. And they realize as they uncover it, Michael Organ is not exactly the most empathetic, kind human being in this world. In fact, like Bruce and Eric have had to endure for the last four or five years of me talking incessantly about nothing to introduce these podcast episodes, think of Greg Srizavasti talking for three hours on end about nothing. That's what you get with Michael Organ. He just talks about nothing and he runs in circles. And his main job is to really annoy you and frustrate you. But there is a possible method to his madness, which I don't think we're going to uncover. We're going to let you, the viewer, uncover that regarding Mr. Organ. Regarding the uncovering section, Eric, was this documentary worth the watch for you? Because it can be a frustrating experience to watch. Well, first of all, the K-Mutiny Court Martial is 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb. Had to get that out. (laughs) Um, And that's the most interesting thing I'm going to say about this entire, during this entire review. I hate this movie. I hate everything about this movie. Uh, David <laughs> Ferrier, the fact that he can make what starts off as a pretty interesting documentary about one of the most tedious, uninteresting people on the planet is nothing against David Ferrier. The fact that he was able to make something out of nothing is uh, nothing short of a miracle. But the subject is like the human equivalent of a J.J. Abrams script. Starts off interesting, and then just when you get to then, you're like, oh, that was it? Oh, Oh, he's just a he's just a uh, narcissist and a liar and a piece of crap human that I've seen a thousand people like him before. 
How long? How much longer is this stock? God damn, we got another hour of this crap. All right, let's hear him. Let's hear him lie some more. And the fact that the fact that he won a court case by being his own lawyer is just none of this makes sense. This is all stupid. Everything about this documentary is stupid. I don't know why David Fair didn't get like halfway into his investigation and then just think to himself, "Oh, this isn't worth it. Let's just let's just walk away." Because the the subject of Mr. Oregon is so that think think of someone that you know that every word that comes out of their mouth is a lie and complete bullshit. Think of that person, you, that that really annoying person that's like, oh, you're looking yeah, at me yeah, or yeah, you're yeah. looking at Bruce. Eric. I'm looking at neither one. <laughs> neither one of you are this person, but but I know a few. I'm not going to name names. But I, I know a few. Not going to name names, but. <laughs> It's, it's, there, there are certain people that just everything that comes out of their mouth is a lie. Everything that comes out of their mouth is you can't. And and then they they hold themselves in such high regard. It's annoying. These people are annoying to be around. And then they made a documentary about this person, which it, actually that's another reason why I hate this documentary. They made a documentary about a a nothing nobody person. Why, why does this documentary exist? This, this documentary, this is the kind, in fact, I'd be willing to bet, but what, what, what's the guy's name? The, 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 the Michael Oregon, Oregon, Michael Oregon. Yeah. I bet he's listening now. Michael Oregon, you're a piece of shit. You, your movie sucks. Your documentary sucks. Congratulations. You're part of a documentary that is no good. No one should watch this. Uh, well, uh, uh, Eric, I, I think I hear a key in the door outside where you're at right now. And how, how the hell is he not in prison? Like, like none. And, and that's another thing about this documentary. None of it makes sense. It's like he, okay. David Ferrier took the, took the sign, which was clearly trash and somehow lost the court case over that. How the hell do you lose that court case? I, I'm not a lawyer. Hire me next time. I, I, I could probably get you out of that. But more importantly, the the subject, the organ guy's not even that smart. Yeah, the, this the, the this thing's useless. Just ha- hang out with your annoying friend for an hour and a half. You'll get the you'll get the same kind of uh, experience. I think. Well, you know, Eric, I'm glad you saw this because as much as you hate this movie, that is going to be the review for a lot of people who see Mr. Organ. And I'm glad that you. Put down you you laid laid the law down on this movie and you said how much you hate it. I know you're gonna give it a, a low rating. And that is the big warning for Mr. Organ. Flip side, there will be some people who just out of maybe I don't know, I found every single minute of this movie to be beautiful. Maybe because I'm a horrible human being. I don't know. I was I was enraptured by this entire film. It kept me in circles and frustrated. I was frustrated with Organ and I wanted the mystery to be solved and all that stuff. I just, I love this documentary so much. I really did. I don't know why. Maybe I was in a weird place. Bruce, was I in a weird place? Is Eric sort of the common sense person regarding the review for Mr. Organ? Maybe. I don't know. I enjoyed this documentary too. I, I think, okay, here's- so you, We're I, both crazy. We're both weird. It possibly. Well, weird for sure. Definitely weird. <laughs> you know, there's a movie coming out where the ending is, it was all a dream. You want to watch that too? <laughs> well, see, okay, here, <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> this is like, this is what usually what Eric's saying. Like, I'm not saying you're wrong, Bruce, but he's like, no, Bruce, you're wrong. I guess for me, what I enjoyed about it is that I- 
I was constantly fascinated by hearing the stories and discovering how this guy has wormed his way into all these different people's lives. Like you said, the thing that drove you crazy was the thing that fascinated me. Like, how is he winning this court case? Like, how is he keeping this woman as his, I guess, benefactor for however many years? How is he just continuing to be... Uh, acting the way he's acting and nothing happens to him. So all these things I, th- I found really fascinating. And he's kind of this black hole of a human being. Cause I, I think it's not just that he's this tedious, boring, terrible person, but some of these tedious, boring, terrible people that always just stand lies end up as presidents of the United States. Some of these people have this weird power where they can like suck people into their orbit and not spit them out, destroy them with their insanity of droning, like, it's Machiavellian doublespeak. That's what he does. That's all he does. And he never stops. Uh, and there's that point in the movie where, and I know this probably was driving you crazy by this point. You probably had your own TV on the floor yourself laying on the floor, Eric. But there's a point where Mr. Organ is talking to Farrier and Farrier just holds up his phone and just lets the guy keep talking and say, how long is he going to talk? I don't know. It should have fast forwarded at that point like a paranormal activity movie until he stopped talking and had a little counter at the bottom to see how many minutes or hours went by. I I found it totally fascinating myself, but I absolutely understand Eric's point of view. It's actually very interesting to see David Ferrier, who is a professional, he's a journalist, a director, literally get sucked into this person's world. Just getting into that Having to listen to his conversations incessantly for several hours, a conversation, like a phone conversation that may, the normal person would t- maybe take 10, five to 10 minutes, ends up being two to three hours. It's just one, you get to see how Farrier gets sucked into the vortex and how much time he wastes over the years, the several years of actually doing this documentary for Mr. Organ. Again, I have to really announce that Eric's review which, and he's going to rate it in a few seconds, it's very value added because this is one of the the acquired taste documentaries that I'm warning you when I give it my rating, I love this movie. I'm going to give it four and a half stars. And I just love everything about this film. And I'm going to say this, I highly recommend it with the caveat that there is a chance you may really not like this documentary because of the subject. Okay. So yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> Eric uh, uh, oh, oh, hold on. Let me do that. No, none of the numbers over one is working. <laughs> very good, very good. Oh, so is that it? Is that it, Eric Holmes? Are you going to give it the the proverbial? No, no, we wait, 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 we can go, Bruce. First, that's fine. Okay, Bruce, why don't you why don't you give your rating? Uh, just final thought. Do you, um, do you warn gonna... people too? Are you warning people on this? I, I agree. Yeah, I, I think this is yeah. This is <laughs> this is I, I guess a punishment to yourself to some degree, but if you enjoy watching the crazy punishment, I guess that's where I fall too. I'm in a four star in this one. Four stars from Bruce, <laughs> four and a half from me. Half a star. <laughs> Eric, what is your rating on Mr. Organ? A movie that so, you said you hate. Yes. How about strongly so, strongly dislike? Strongly no, dislike. I no, I, I, I hate this movie. Okay, okay. Um so the Thing is, David Ferrier is such a talented filmmaker, such a talented documentary documentarian, and the fact that he was wasting so much time on this nothing subject. Just you know, when you see like great filmmakers and they do like a blockbuster movie that's not, not their movie, and like ah, why were you right. wasting? We, we right. could have gotten an original from you, and that's one less original we get from you. That's one less great documentary we get from Dave Ferrier because he was wasting his time with this. I guess the pot. Okay, half star. And the half star comes with 
this was going to be zero stars, but I just thought of this now. This was going to be zero stars, but the fact that he kind of trolled them at the end, mm-hmm. you get a half start bump with that. But otherwise, the, this thing's just a waste of time. It, it, stick with it, you know, or, or put it on if you need to. Uh, if you're curious and like it starts off with a, with a great mystery of what's going on and then it just fizzles into nothing. Fizzles into nothing. If you want to watch Mr. Oregon, have at it. I I thought this, I I just thought this was a complete waste of time. Okay. Again, four and a half for me, four from Bruce. One half, half a star from Eric opens nationwide (laughs) October 13th, playing in select theaters now, but again, opens nationwide October 13th. Most importantly, if you do see Mr. Oregon, tell us where you land on this sort of scale. Now, speaking of wasted time or movies that you hate or maybe strongly dislike, we are now talking about a movie called Dear David, which will be available in select theaters on digital and on demand October 13th. Bruce, I refuse to review this movie. I'm going to let you <laughs> review it and talk about it and do the thing. Or do you want me to do the intro? No, the- I, I mean, no, I can, to- I can start with this. Uh, directed by John McPhail, which is a great disappointment, I'll say out of the gate, because... Anna and the Apocalypse a few years ago, directed by the same director, is is a joyously fun movie. And I feel sad that and and actually perplexed that John McPhail made this movie. Dear David is the story <laughs> is based, I guess, apparently on a Twitter, uh now known as X Thread. Right. It's it's about uh oh my god. It's basically like it's equivalent to a creepypasta. Like some dude uh, from BuzzFeed, this is like a BuzzFeed movie too. And if you don't know it's a BuzzFeed movie, they make sure and have BuzzFeed on the walls of his workplace all over this movie. I mean, the product placement for BuzzFeed in this movie, have I said it enough, is some of the most heinous product placement I have seen in a long time. But the main character, Adam, is this, I guess, artist and he works for BuzzFeed and he's just kind of doing his thing. And then one night he wakes up from a... uh what does he have? Like a uh, night terror? Sleep paralysis. And he, oh. Yeah, sleep paralysis slash night terror. He looks over at the corner of his room and the rocking chair is rocking. And he thinks he sees a little kid with a dent in his head. And then he proceeds to start trying to document all of his haunting experiences online in a Twitter feed. And that's the basis of the story. Tell yes. us why you hate it so much, Greg. No, I, I, I actually love this movie. I'm kidding. August, Augustus Pru is the comic artist who plays Adam Ellis. It's a very interesting story because the actual real story, the, because it, this whole thing about the haunted, the, the rocking chair that's sliding back and forth. And he's Adam Ellis, who's a BuzzFeed comic artist. He, he thinks he's going slowly insane. He's going, right? he needs some, some help with his mental health because he sees apparently that ghost of the dead kid. And he's wondering about his family, where the origins of the ghost all of that stuff, it's interesting. I've never, I haven't actually read, I'm sure it's available still on X, that actual thread from Adam. I'm sure that story is fine. And the fact that it went viral is interesting. The absolute execution of this movie was uninspired, wrote, it went nowhere. I was trying to ascribe something, but got nothing. I went down, traveling down a nothing boulevard, realizing that there's nothing to be gleaned by even staying there. But I had to endure 94 minutes of this movie, which had no, it tried to be funny. It wasn't. It tried to be scary. It wasn't. It tried to be visually arresting, static. 
images. Did you I was, feel this? Let me ask you this. Did you feel this? So one thing that annoyed me the heck out of this movie. So it's supposed to be 2017, right? Is that what's supposed to take place? Right. Yeah. Uh huh. So a, very, a recent movie, right? And it it really tries hard to be like this is like tr- aggressively dated like to its time period, but also in the sense, you know, how you get those movies where it's like, you just get the feeling that it's an old person trying to write a young person's point of view in high school or something. This movie feels such a level of cringe of trying to act like internet culture savvy or something. And it just comes across painfully, painfully terrible in the dialogue and in the, the, the characters and not scary in the least, not funny when it thinks it needs to be funny. The relationships of all the characters are just paper thin, uh, painfully thin. Yeah, it's, yeah this movie is uh, the, the tone. I felt like the, I felt about this movie. I think about the way Eric felt about the last movie. The, the I, mean, I, I was going to say, are we are we reviewing Mister Oregon again? Yeah, the so tone terrible. Is, there is Redo. no <laughs> there is lack of a strong point of view or tone in the movie. I just feel that director John McPhail just was lost, I, I hate to say it, was kind of lost in the weeds or he was just shooting straight from the script. It felt, it really felt like an uninspired outing. I don't, I I gained nothing from watching this movie. This is how bad it was. Oh, I did gain one thing. The knowledge of that this Dear David exists. So that is actually value added. I'm interested in, in actually, and I went to read about Adam Ellis's work. I think Adam Ellis as a person is interesting. I just don't think his life story executed via Dear David was very interesting. I will be haunted by this movie because it's so <laughs> boring. The boringness haunted me. Okay, so that's my uh, my okay rating for Dear David. Again, in theaters, on digital, and on, on demand. Watch it at your peril. Maybe you might like it. Maybe I'm wrong. But I'm giving this movie a generous one star. Bruce? Yeah, I'll give it a generous one star too. I'm pretty sure this is the worst new horror movie I've seen this year, and it Probably in the last couple years. This is a disastrously terrible movie. Uh, terrible. This is the worst film I, I've seen of this year. I, w- I wish I'd seen this because the way today is going, I bet I would have given it four and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet you would have given it higher than one. I have a feeling, but it, it's pretty terrible. I think you would have still hated it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's 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 so bad that I really want to end the show right now because I'm so mad at how bad this movie is. Let's, you well, know do what? you remember when I suggested it? I said... I don't know if you read what I said exactly. I said, I, after watching it, I said, I watched Dear David. Someone else has to watch this too, or so, something like that. I said, someone else is, needs to have to watch this too, because I didn't want to be alone. <laughs> like someone, someone, please share in my pain. of. I shouldn't be alone in this punishment here. Yes. As far as punishment, Eric Holmes, should Bruce and I watch Divinity? Will that be punishment to watch? Tell us what Divinity is about. What kind of people should watch it? Should I just watch it because it stars Stephen Dorff, who I'll watch anything of, but... Your thoughts on this movie called Divinity, which is in New York, October 13th, and L.A. on October 20th. What, what is the movie? I, I would say uh, definitely check it out. I don't know if you'll like it or not, but you'll. I, it, it's definitely something else. Uh, it's got uh, Stephen Dorff, Scott Bakula. So Scott Bakula developed this uh, medicine. You take it and you basically stay young forever. Stephen Dorff is his son. And these guys kind of crawl out of the ground and then go to Stephen Dorff and then kidnap him and hook him up to a machine that basically just puts the that medicine like into his veins like directly. And Stephen Dorff's like, don't do that. That's going to kill me. This feels like David Lynch 
shooting a script written by the Wachowski. So if that sounds like something that, hey, this seems pretty cool, I, I would definitely check it out. If you have acid and you take a bunch of it, I would also recommend watching this movie because I'll just kind of, uh, that'll kind of enhance the experience. Uh, if you love Stephen Dorff, and why wouldn't you? Uh, definitely watch it. I won't give away the, the awesome part that happens at the end, but something... There's a fight at the end. They make a stylistic choice. This movie was already kind of going in directions where it's like, the, this movie's just weird. It, it could do anything at any moment. But they made a stylistic choice at the the final fight that my jaw just dropped and goes, that's so damn cool. Why don't more movies do this? Why has no one done this before? This is such a cool idea. This is weird because all the stuff that I love about this, kind, kind of similar to uh King Mutiny Court Martial is like my favorite part was the very end, but everything leading up to the end was really cool too. Um, mm, okay. It, it, it has, I mean, it's all in black and white. It has kind of a similar vibe as Tin Can, if you remember that one. Yes. I love that uh, movie. How, how could you forget? <laughs> but yeah. I, I don't think this one's as good as Tin Can. But like, this is one of those movies that they just kind of swing for the fences. And I'm, yeah. That, this was a good one. Eric is di- not, not, not going to be for everyone. Is it a good find? Was it a good find for you as far as like? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If I it, if I just like kind of came across this at a video store and put it in, I'd be like, dude, you got to come <laughs> check out Divinity. I don't know what this weird crap is I just seen, but you have to watch it. All right. Divinity. But, but yeah, I, I think uh, what Kowalski's writing a script and David Lynch directing it, it's probably the best kind of comp I can give for this. But okay. it's so... and. Please, if you're listening, watch Divinity and then come at me with what you think about the final fight. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about when it gets to it. But and Eric, pretty do, awesome. do not watch Divinity if... Uh, you liked Mr. Organ? <laughs> <laughs> That's something else. That's very good, Eric. What is your rating on Divinity? That's so awesome. <laughs> you know, I feel like my half star is going to get a bunch of people to watch Mr. Organ. So I'm going to, I kind of want to go with zero stars just to pique people's interest Don't so do. they will watch it. But I, I, I'll probably give four and a half. Four and a half stars to Divinity. What would Bruce give Divinity in your estimation? That, that's just it. I have no idea. Um, what, Bruce, what I... might, Bruce might either watch it and be as taken with it as I am, or he might resent it for maybe trying too hard to be weird. Perhaps. And then he'll and then he'll resent you for making him watch it. So yeah, what, what would? What well, would, I'm, I'm I'm used to that. <laughs> what, what would I, what would I give it? What would I give it? Uh, four stars. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just need I just needed the drum fill. I just needed the rim shot. Wait, wait, is this regular Greg or is this regular four star Greg or is this like pissed just, off evil Greg? This the regular four star Greg. Yeah. So so four stars. I, I'd actually be very curious to see what you think of this, Greg, because I I have I have no idea. But all right. I mean, you know it, it it definitely it's definitely a I don't know what the budget is. It can't be that much, but it, it's it's kind of like it feels like one of those movies where like we don't have a lot of money, but we're going to swing for the fences anyway. And That's awesome. I, I think it works for the most part. I, if, I recall, if you're in for that kind of weirdness. I, yeah. So Divinity, I believe it. I don't know who directs it, but I think Steven Soderbergh is an EP on it or a producer on Divinity. Oh, yeah. It's Eddie Alcazar. Eddie Alcazar. Okay. So yeah. interesting. If you want to see something interesting, maybe go check out Divinity because Eric gave it four and a half stars again nationwide November 3rd. We're viewing it really early because it's New York on this week, October 13th, LA, the following week on October 20th. I let Bruce and Eric watch all the movies because I make it to my, you know, I, I, I think to myself, like, let them watch most of the movies. But I think for the first time in what, maybe 
400 episodes of cinematics and find your film, I decided to just, you know, just do a movie that I told Eric and Bruce, you don't have to watch it. I'll watch it. The movie's in the fire. It stars Amber Heard. She plays a doctor from New York. And it's set, I think it's set in, I don't know where, where it's set. It's like a period. It's set in the 1890s. She travels to a plantation in the 1890s to investigate a child, a boy who might be possessed by the devil or might be possessed by some kind of supernatural spirit. Why? Because, well, he might have caused, A, he might have caused the death of his mother. He might have caused the plague and the famine that is ravaging his village. He might be the reason why. Crops are not growing. There's very little rain in the area. So Amber Heard plays a doctor who comes in to try to figure out who believes that the boy is not possessed by the devil. In fact, he might actually just have some kind, he might be a savant who can be treated, who can be talked to and via therapy and and understanding. So the movie is sort of a treatise or essay between the difference between science and religion, sort of faith versus fact. We've seen that a million times before in cinema, and it's directed by Connor Allen. Allen? Yeah, Connor Allen. He also co-wrote the co-wrote the film with Pascal Borno from Children of the Corn, which Eric and I saw, and Silvio Muragal, Muraglia from After the Wedding. Here's a surprise. I like the movie. The movie works. Amber Heard is good as a doctor. The actual drama itself worked. It's worth a watch. It's I'm Catholic. I like sort of the interesting interplay between the talks between faith versus science. And I thought the drama itself worked. Was it something that was completely out of the ordinary and I'd highly recommend it to people? It just pleasantly surprised me at how engaging the movie was. And I was, you know, with everything that's going on with Amber Heard, I was you you bring your baggage when you're watching an Amber Heard film right now. And she she did a really good job as a doctor. Very inspired performance. And the, I don't know who the boy's father, he's good too. But overall, it's a very tight-knit drama. Beautifully shot within that whole plantation area in the 1890s. Very good period film. Overall, solid recommend. Three and a half stars for In the Fire. In theaters, on demand, and digital. If you like these type of movies... It's not going to be an exorcist type of film, but there are some really cool things that go on within the fabric of the movie. So that is In the Fire. Who knows? Maybe down the line, Bruce and Eric might give In the Fire a chance and they can yell at me or for giving it three and a half stars. Who knows? But I'm not, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed this film. So that's it for our features. Let's go to a couple of recommendations before, you know what? We're going to get to you in a second. Bruce, Eric, you want to do a couple of mentions on the HBO. It's currently on HBO and Max. It is no accident. It's a documentary. You interviewed Christy Jacobson. Why would you recommend this documentary again now streaming on Max? Was it worth a watch for you? It's about the uh, Unite the Right rally campaign. Not exactly about that rally. It's about the lawsuit that's brought about by several lawyers because the Unite the Rally, they alleged that that campaign was organized not just for a free speech rally, but it was arranged to incite violence, racial violence within the community. So Eric, what did you think of No Accident and what did you glean from your interview with filmmaker Christy Jacobson? This one, now this is a documentary that definitely had my interest. Uh, yeah, you had the, the Charlottesville stuff, all the stuff that went on that. And a lot, they, that's about the first third or so 
of the of the movie and then the rest of it is uh following following the the lawyers as they build a case against the basically the nazis that uh did that and tried to kind of go over like because we all remember what happened you know with the with the you know running people run over protesters with cars and like all all, all that sort of stuff yeah one um, person died from the incident and yeah 19 and, to 20 people injured yeah yeah and so this is kind of kind of a why are we having such an issue building a court case for this and kind of go into what it's like to build the court case it's like we all saw it we all know what happened but what can you prove there's a lot of that in here as well is a uh, courtroom drama junkie uh i really responded to this a lot yeah the the interview with the uh director went very well if courtroom dramas are catnip like they are to me, I think you're really going to like this uh, documentary. Also, unlike Mr. Oregon, I think kind of what this says is a lot more important and interesting. But also, this is this is kind of one of those documentaries that the uh, the people that need to see it the most probably won't. But you know that I, we could say that about most documentaries that kind of have things to say about social issues and how we run things here in America. But uh, yeah, this is a good one. Check it out. Uh, yeah. I would probably get this oh, shoot probably four and a half. I think four not not quite as good as K Mutiny Court Martial because that's fake, and then I don't have to be <laughs> I don't have to watch it and be disappointed like oh no one's gonna watch this. But yeah, it's a good documentary. But see, this is how you spend years of your life making a documentary like this, and it's not a waste of time. But then, well, it is. I agree with you. Eric. No accident is not a waste of time because you get to see how these lawyers build up a case against this, the perpetrators behind the Unite the Right White Nationalist rally, which took place, like you said, in Charlottesville back in 2017. You get to see sort of the behind-the-scenes court drama behind it and them preparing the case. Also, you get interviews with several of the plaintiffs who are brave enough to put their name on this lawsuit. And it's very interesting, pretty much a blow-by-blow account. So again, if you are a courtroom drama enthusiast like Eric or just a hist, a person who really wants to know something and not waste your time with something like Mr. Organ, I guess, like Eric said, go check out No Accident currently streaming on, on Max. I'm giving it four stars, four and a half for Eric. Yes, Eric. It's funny because IMDb also gave it four and a half stars, but that's out of 10. And I had a, like the number didn't make sense. And then I click on it and like see all the one star ratings. I'm like, oh, I know what's going on here. So yeah, right. <laughs> it, exactly. If that if that IMDb rating, that fake ass IMDb rating is uh moves the needle one way or another, I cannot wait to read some of these reviews. I I'm pretty sure I know what half of them say. Bruce, did but, you tell Eric? Did you tell Eric that we're trying to get IMDb as a sponsor to this uh this podcast? Uh, yeah, I, I haven't told him that yet, but we'll uh, you know. <laughs> oh no 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 no! I'm not yelling at IMDb about this. This, this seems like the same thing that happened to groupers. Oh, okay. oh, gotcha, certain people, gotcha. uh, what what do they call that? The people juicing the numbers or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, they yeah. He's speaking of, yeah. but because yeah, I saw it like four and a half out of ten. That doesn't make sense. Like I, I can see not thinking it's the greatest thing ever, but four and a half's way low. And then I looked at him like, oh. I see what's going on here. Four and a half stars. Proud Boys are not happy with this documentary. Okay. Four and a half stars from Eric Holmes. Four stars for me for No Accident. Again, directed by Christy Jacobson. Documentary on HBO and Max. The only pushback I have is on Eric. Again, 
In my opinion, Mitzvah Organ is not a waste of time because it teaches you how to actually squeeze the juice and spirit out of people by talking incessantly and circles and actually drive, drawing people into your, I guess, your, your vortex, your abysmal life and actually taking them down with you. Don't you think, Bruce, it's a value added to learn how to become a narcissist sociopath? Yeah, I, I took it as an instructional documentary for sure. <laughs> Rim shot. Okay, that is it. Now, Bruce, before we get into the box and your thoughts on Shock Corridor, do you have a couple of quick recommendations recommendations before we get into the box or you want to keep it for next week? Um, You're the boss. We can keep for next week. These are, they're not a big deal. Let's just get to Shock Corridor. Okay, Shock Corridor directed by Samuel Fuller. No, no, we, uh, we you know, no, no, no. Something though. Peter Beta, you know, I don't talk to Peter Beta anymore because, uh, <laughs> Why don't I talk to Peter Beta anymore, uh, Eric? Do you remember? Um, because he wanted uh, to have lunch with you, and you misunderstood that for have him for lunch, and you ate him alive. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Peter Beta is not with us. Rest in peace, Peter Beta. I ate him uh, for lunch with a what? What a, with some Chianti, Chianti, and a side of fava beans. Is that correct, Bruce? Is that the Jonathan Demi? I wonder, I wonder what the crew from middle class film class think of Jonathan Demi's. Silence of the Lambs or the Silence of the Lambs. I always wondered if it's the Silence of the Lambs or Silence of the Lambs. But Peter Beta, we love you. We love Tyler Noe, Joseph Navarro. Silence of the Lambs. Why don't, you, why don't you check that route right, right now on the beloved IMDb? On t- right now, here's Peter Beta with dropping the beat. Remove your hand from the box, and you die. What's in the box? Okay, Eric, what is it? What's what is it? Is it the silence or silence of the lambs? The silence of the lambs, based on the book by Thomas the Silence of the Lambs. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> also the silence of the lambs. Very good. The silence of the lambs, does it compare to Shock Corridor? Bruce Perky. I am very nervous. First of all, spoiler alert, I love this movie. This is one of my favorite Samuel Fuller movies. I also love Brian De Palma because Brian De Palma is a very operatic filmmaker. Some would say he goes a little bit overboard. And let me tell you right now, <laughs> Shock Corridor, it is not very subtle. It goes overboard. In fact, there is no board. It just goes over. It goes over everything. So that is the warning I'm going to give. I'm going to pass a baton on to you, Bruce. Take it away with Shock so Corridor. If you remember, and I don't even remember how many months ago it was now, but we did as a box movie. It was a box movie that we did uh, Naked Kiss, I think. Or how did we end up doing Naked I Kiss? God. I think it's a box movie, I think, okay. if I recall. Either way, we did Naked Kiss, which was the movie directly after Shock Corridor. In fact, if I remember correctly, on a marquee, you see Shock Corridor in Naked Kiss. Very good, Bruce. Um, yeah. Both by Samuel Fuller. I haven't seen that many Samuel Fuller movies, but these two definitely go together as a pair, I feel like, because they both are operating on a similar wavelength as far as this kind of fevered, almost camp noir I don't know, like wavelength, how to describe it. So when I watched this, uh, the best description I could come to was if you got John Waters to direct One Flew Over a Cuckoo's Nest and write it, then you get this movie, I think. I think that's what you get. Will a person going in with just kind of average, dramatic, modern sensibilities come to this movie and have problems? Very likely. Because there's a lot going on here. It's very feverish. No, basic no, no. story. Every scene is like this. <laughs> Every scene. The basic <laughs> setting is this. Johnny Barrett, he's a reporter. 
And apparently he's been training to be to pretend to be insane so he can go undercover into an insane asylum where a murder occurred. He is cover the person that's saying, oh, and the, the story is that he has lustful thoughts for his sister. So stripper <laughs> Kathy, played by Constance Towers, also from Naked Kiss, if I remember correctly. The lead, yes. So stripper Kathy who apparently is John Barrett's girlfriend, she is going to pretend to be his sister so she can, you know, attest to, yes, he has had bad thoughts about me and you better, you better, you know, get his brain right. So that is the setup. He goes undercover into the asylum and then it gets weird. <laughs> then it gets, it gets, it gets wait, weird wait, 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 from no, there. No. What about the, 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 what about the musical number? That's Well, what, the musical number about? at the beginning is the, is the least sexy stripping scene I've ever seen. <laughs> it's quite, 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 quite something it starts out with her her face fully encased in a boa looking like a muppet head and she's singing and you just see the the boa like puffing out as she's singing and then she strips from there in the the most awkwardly unsexy way possible but i guess it was sexy at the time i don't know maybe i just don't know what sexy is i mean judge for yourself what i <laughs> there's a moment in this movie where apparently there aren't really very good security uh, measures inside of this asylum. So at some point, our main character goes to get water for another character, and he just stumbles into a room full of nymphomaniacs and <laughs> yells, Nymphos! <laughs> and is then beset upon the nymphos uh, in a, a scene very worthy of a John Waters movie. Oh, and the whole point of this movie, too, is he has to meet the three different inmates, the three different people who were witnesses possibly to this murder to find out you know, who it's an, each of them has their own psychoses. Uh, one of them is, uh, thinks he's a Confederate soldier. Uh, one of them is a, uh, African American guy who is racist in his insanity against African American people. And then the third one is, uh, what was he? Uh, like an artist, or something? an artist who had worked in the nuclear had made nuclear stuff, like done nuclear, the nuclear program. Very important and, individual. Yeah. And he has regressed to, um, like a childlike state, and now he's just drawing like artist-like pictures. That actor who plays the that who's drawing pictures is Gene Evans, mm -hmm. who was the lead in the Samuel Fuller film that we all love, The Steel Helmet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the guy who's the actor, I believe, playing the Confederate soldier guy, mm -hmm. he ends up being in uh, Dukes of Dukes Hazard. Of Hazard. Yeah. Another oh, Roscoe. <laughs> yeah. Roscoe. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, Roscoe. <laughs> Roscoe. Yeah. Anyway, Roscoe. Anyway. Yeah, this movie is so over the top in so many ways. So you have to go in with that mindset to enjoy it. You won't uh, if you a, don't. If if you if you're looking for a drama like straight, you're gonna just or be. Even if you're looking for a straight noir, you're not gonna get this movie. You're gonna be like, "What is this crazy movie?" So you got to go in with that crazy attitude. If you can go with that crazy attitude, I think there's a ton of fun to be had here. But to me, this is squarely three star banger because it it's not high art, but it kind of is high art in its own like crazy trashy way i mean that's um, kind of samuel fuller in a nutshell isn't it well kind of but yeah. I mean, some of his movies are a little more straightforward i mean i would say like the steel helmet was a little more straightforward the, the big red and, one maybe has is more yeah big red one's a little more straightforward so i would i would highly this is not for everyone for sure but if you get on this wavelength you'll have a good time and oh i didn't mention that there's this weird documentary film breaks in the middle of it when people are having psychoses too that's really weird they're um, in color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, wait, wait, did you wait, wait, Eric? You watched this? Yeah, oh, I thought oh, you, you didn't did. watch it. Oh, okay, Eric, Ch chime in, Eric, yeah. chime in. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, was it uh, Harry Rhodes, the the black guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
when he gets like like he, he's yeah here's the thing kkk is gonna uh, rise up and it's gonna be ubiquitous and we're gonna and oh no there's another one we gotta stop him before he tries to marry my daughter and just like that that's like his go-to every time <laughs> we gotta stop him before he marry. the weird thing about this is the end what what can we say about the end we, uh, i don't think we can uh, no, i wouldn't, what, I wouldn't I say think, much because uh, yeah. Well, Say whatever you so, want about it. Try to dance around. Um, it. I I think the end kind of ties it together because it it's definitely an indictment on these kind of places. Now the weird thing is I don't know if the mental institutions actually work like they do in movies. So it <laughs> might not be an indictment on mental institutions, but it might be an indictment on mental institutions as portrayed in movies, perhaps. <laughs> um, if any of that makes sense. But I I don't know if they were as bad as they're portrayed. Um, or not but if they are i mean this would be because of what happens it, it's definitely not painting mental institutions in the, the brightest light and who knows maybe they shouldn't be but it, it does have a lot of uh really fun stuff <laughs> really Eric, i felt, I felt stuff like shock corridor would be something that would be in your wheelhouse was it in your wheelhouse because it was oh yeah yeah i like this a lot I, it's just the so the the commentary that i'm trying to talk about without without giving away what happens at the end. That that was probably the most interesting thing to me. I just don't know enough about that, given the time to know if it's accurate or not, if that makes okay. sense. I, I have to talk around without giving spoilers. So it's a, it's a good dramatic effect. Plus. It's a good, it, it works dramatically. <laughs> yeah. Does. Yeah. I, in fact, I, it, whether, whether it's accurate or not, I still like the, the ending, but also everything Bruce said, I also agree with. I think this is, what was it? The naked kiss? Was that the right. one? Like, like yeah. I, I took it seriously, but like Bruce thought it was funny. Like, like I didn't get the the humor there. I, I was just like taking it dead serious. This one, I totally get the humor. Like even the even the possibly unintentional humor. I, I think Bruce is right on. Three star banger. Three star banger again. Sammy Fuller is one of my all time favorite filmmakers. Right up there with De Palma. I'm thinking Brian De Palma, Ridley Scott. And Sammy Fuller, I think probably Sammy Fuller, as I get older, it's kind of trumping Brian De Palma now. I just, so, you know, my rating, my bias rating for Jacques Cordor. Four five, stars. No, oh. no, no. <laughs> definite five stars. It is over the top. It's one of these things, exactly like Bruce says, you need to get into that mindset of that campy mindset. It's not very, it's very surreal and it's very operatic. For a movie fact, okay, we talked about Samuel Fuller. If listeners, you are into cinematography, very interesting thing is the movie is, I'm not going to say lens because Anderson doesn't like it. It is shot. The cinematographer is Stanley Cortez and Stanley Cortez makes Shark Corridor one of Samuel Fuller's best looking movies, especially towards the third act. There's a third act involving water and a corridor, what's called Shark Corridor, that is a very beautiful, beautifully done just worth watching it just for that sequence and cortez his most popular dp credit is the night of the hunter and if you know about the night of the hunter robert mitchum the shadows and the blacks and how beautiful that movie is i think directed by charles lawton great great film it's classic that kind of spirit from the night of the hunter you can see swaths of that in shock corridor especially the ending in that shock corridor sequence regarding water and pen back and forth and the one, uh, really great stuff. So I love this movie. Yeah, that's it, Bruce. I, I'm I'm uh, submarining your segment. What what no. you're thinking? No, I'm, we're all talking uh, about it. Yes, yeah, no, right. I think it's it's a satirical too. There's a lot of satire going on here too. I think that that's 
you have to kind of get that tone in it too. I think it's really making fun, poking fun at a lot of the stuff going on in society at the time that doesn't really get looked at, you know, in that era very much. So I think that that's, that's some of what the fun that this movie's having too. Okay, Eric, final thoughts? Uh, according to IMDb, uh, Stanley Cortez was a, the DP. Samuel Fuller, uncredited DP for the dream sequences. Yes, the dream so, sequences, which... I, oh, so there's the, the documentary things, right? The, yeah. Because those, I, I read that those were like unfinished documentaries that he was working on. Weird. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so he had been working on these documentaries that he never finished. Like one of them was about the Amazon, that one scene in there with the guy scraping the leg and stuff. He wanted to do this documentary about the Amazon and that just he, that's footage he had. Any black and white movie that has dream sequences in color... Kind of, kind of cool. It's kind of crazy. It's good. It usually goes the other way, doesn't it? Like yeah. the movies in color and the it, yes, the, the dream sequences are in black and white. Right, like a movie done by by John Waters, right? John Waters. Oh, Bruce yeah, I guess I guess except for Wizard of Oz, the whole movie's good point. Yeah. Good point. Three stars from Eric Holmes. Three star banger from Eric Holmes and Bruce yes. Perky. I give it five stars. Samuel Fuller's Shock Corridor. That is the box pick. Bruce is going to pick his. Box pick in a second. Eric wanted to mention about movies coming out on Friday. He wanted to put them in the Google Doc. I dramatically stopped him and said, well, look, we're covering a lot of movies this week. I have one movie that is coming out on Friday that we didn't cover that I saw before the movie before we started recording. The movie, you guys haven't heard about it. I think I mentioned this to you, Eric Holmes. I don't know, Bruce, maybe you've heard about it. Have you heard about it? This movie called The Burial, starring Jamie Foxx and Tommy Lee Jones? No. Shaking your head, no, Bruce Perky. Directed no. by Maggie Betts. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, how y'all doing? All y'all that don't know who I am, my name is Willie Gary. Willie Gary. Willie Gary. William Gary. Never heard of him. What's so special about this guy anyway? Litigation is war. It's a battle. Bam! And I'm not talking about no bullshit either. I'm talking about some John Card Van Dam ass-kicking shit. Truth is, I may have gotten myself into a lot of trouble. I've been your lawyer 30 years. We can find a way out of it. You've never sued anybody before in your whole life. This fellow tried to bully me out of business, and I don't think I should be expected to stand for it. Mr. Gary hasn't lost a case in over 12 years. You suggesting I hire this guy as one of my lawyers? Y'all come on in. Pleasure to meet you, Mr. Gary. Let me introduce you to my call, Red. How do you feel about working with black folk? I suppose I am a little prejudiced. Mm. Did you meet my team? I'm Chris. Deshaun. Reggie Douglas. Gentlemen. He's suing us? He's suing us? We are a half a billion dollar corporation. So how much money y'all trying to get? Eight million. That ain't enough money. One hundred million dollars. <laughs> Who is this clown he's hired as a lawyer? You're a fighter, man. What made you want to do it? Because he tried to mess with the one thing that means the most to me in life. Being able to leave something behind for my grandchildren. Let's play some music. Sun is shining, sky is blue. My name is Mame Downs. Graduated top of her class from Harvard Law School. Uh-huh. They had a nickname for her around the office. The Python. I wouldn't get too used to me being kind to you, Mr. Gary. Once we begin that trial, I'm going to destroy you. Well, can't you see that we're golden? We don't have a snowball's chance in hell of winning this case. Just just trust me, okay? I, I, I may have found something. What does it feel like to be some small-time nobody on the verge of bankruptcy? What if I don't win and I let all these people down? You have been trying to turn this into your own one-ring circus. I got my damn life on the line. I know that, Jerry. Did it ever bother you? Oh, the hypocrisy. The hypocrisy. You sit your ass down. I'm your honor. 
What's the matter? We can't split the pole. Can't split the pole, man. Come on, dog. Back in 2017, she directed Margaret Qualley in a film called Novitiate. Novitiate, I think. It's a nun drama, which I remember enjoying. This is a whole different movie. It's inspired by true events, and it centers on a lawyer, played by Jamie Foxx, who teams up with a funeral home owner, played by Tommy Lee Jones, to take down a corporate bigwig, played by Bill Camp. This corporate bigwig is trying to have this monopoly of funeral homes, and he is pretty much scooping them up and possibly giving very unfair business practices along the way. That is a premise of The Burial, and it also co-stars Journey Smollett as the lawyer who represents this corporate bigwig, again, played by Bill Camp, and again, the aforementioned Jamie Foxx and Tommy Lee Jones are the people on the quote-unquote good side for The Burial. The reason why Eric Holmes is going to love this and eat this up like catnip is it is a 126-minute courtroom drama, lawyer stuff. It's Are you a... Have you... Uh, do you have any popular uh, Jamie Foxx movies you love? That you, I mean, I don't know what you think of him as an actor. We've never discussed it. They cloned Tyrone. Was awesome. They cloned Tyrone just this year. Okay, they, right. They cloned Tyrone. Very good. I have a feeling that he may, Jamie Foxx may receive an Oscar nomination for The Burial if Prime Video gives this movie a push. I think it is a predictable film, but it it's like, what's that movie that we reviewed several weeks ago, Eric, with Michael Pena, Million Miles Away? Is that the movie? Yeah. Yep. Predictable. We know it's based on a true story. We loved it so much. This is on that same level. Did it make me it didn't make me tear up, but it, it's just an engaging, entertaining film. Loved it so much. Listeners, if I'm sure most of you have Prime Video, The Burial on Prime Video, Friday, October 13th. Definitely check this out. I think this is a home run of a movie. And Tommy Lee Jones, who usually plays badasses, he's a sort of a really subtle underspoken humble guy he plays a different type of role with the burial and but jamie fox as a lawyer it's jamie fox at his peak charismatic lawyer so it's just a role that's really fits him to the t loved everything about this movie again the burial i hope either one of you guys get to see this movie when it hits prime video we have a really busy week for next week but hopefully one of you guys i think eric will probably see the burial and chime in on it my my rating for the burial five stars love it one of my favorites this year just as an all-around Sometimes popular movies work, and that is why I think The Burial is going to get a, a lot of, just a lot of people who are going to love it, and it'll be remembered come Oscar time. All right, that is it for this episode. Bruce, you're going to shake the box for next week, possibly. Oh, Bruce, yes. what is your Patreon pick for October? I mean, for this month? Oh, yes. Under the Skin. Under the Skin. And Patreon Which members, I, I have never seen. And I know his new movie is out this year. And it's the first movie he's made since Under the Skin. So I thought that'd be a good pick. Yes. Patreon Speaking members, I apologize. Yes. Speaking of new movies, I, I probably should have brought this up. Uh, David Slade's new one comes out, Dark Harvest. Hmm. Have you seen the it? La- the la- no. Uh, the last movie he did was, I mean, he's known most for Heart Candy and 30 Days a Night. But the last movie he did was Twilight Saga mm-hmm. and then just did a bunch of TV. I think that he did a segment on Nightmare Cinema, but this will be his first like full movie in a while. So I have no, I know Dark Harvest is based on a book. I have no idea what it's about, but I'm. It comes, well, it comes out I, this Friday? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I did not know that until like five seconds ago and I what? clicked on it. Okay. Well, let's see if we can dig it out maybe in the emails and we'll see if we can review it for next week or track it down. 
I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be watching it one way or another because I, okay. I do love David Slade. Didn't love Twilight so much, but you know, Thirty Days a Night and Hard Candy are pretty awesome. He did work on Hannibal, the TV series that was great. Great, uh, the Nightmare Cinema. So yeah, we'll see what's up. Bruce Brookie, what you got? Uh, suggested by filmmaker Mark Pellington, who we talked to. Love him. Um, I believe it's his own movie, which was I Melt with You. Oh, okay. I met with you, Mark Pellington. We're going to review it. Are we? We love Mark Pellington. Are we going to give an unbiased review of "I Melt with You"? Even though we've we've talked and we've broken bread with Mark Pellington, Eric Bruce, we're gonna do, we're gonna do it. Sure, I okay. will. Okay, Mark it, it, it would be it would be uh, it it would be an insult to him if it wasn't unbiased. Yeah, he shoots from the he shoots straight shooter. He he would he would not want us to like pretend if we didn't like. I, I'm get. I'm guessing if he made a piece of crap and we're like, oh yeah, five stars, be like liars. <laughs> okay, we will, Mark Pellington, if you're listening, we are going to see. I melt with you, right? I melt with you, and we will give you our honest opinion in this movie, which he's mentioned a lot. Before we go, final thoughts, Eric Holmes, recording straight from your new offices. Where where are you recording from, Eric Holmes? I'm at uh, uh, Pikes Peak Public Library in Colorado Springs. Okay, and I bet I'm I'm kind of liking it here, so. I might okay. just do it here more often. Okay. Oh, and uh, probably soon, uh, we, we played the Film Vault the game, mm-hmm. recorded it, edited it. It's out. Uh, it's not out, out, but it's, you know, uh, hopefully that'll show up real soon. Um, On the Film Vault ch- uh, YouTube channel, maybe? I'm not sure where it's going yet. That That's the thing. But it's it's done. It's It's ready to put out wherever. I just don't know when and where. Okay, very, very cool. But it still stands. If anyone wants to play the game, hit me up because we will be doing more playthroughs for sure. Hit up Eric Holmes over at our Cinematics Facebook group. Join our Facebook group. We have daily movie recommendations from a lot of our wonderful people like Ken Cunningham. Who else? Matt Stillman, Joseph Bridges, Andrew Andrew Clark. Clark. We we miss you, Andrew Clark. Yeah, comment more. We miss you. And who else? Who else? Who else? Bruce, um, Preeta Beta, just everyone. Everyone's great. Yeah. What's that guy? Antonio Holmes. He's very, very cool. Just... It's so, so many interesting people. It's so many interesting people. Bruce, final thoughts. Uh, my final thought is I want to champion a movie that is out in the theaters now, only very, very limited release. And I'm very excited that I'm going to be getting to screen it and watch it next week because it's hard for me to get to too. But I'm just saying everyone's lamenting that they have the Exorcist movie out right now and they're hating it, but they're still putting their money to this big giant release when there's this tiny Argentinian horror movie out right now called When Evil Lurks. And it is in a lot of local theaters right now. Not easy to find, but it's out there. And this is the same director that made Terrified, not Terrifier, Terrified about three or four years ago, which is an amazing little horror movie from Argentina. All accounts are what Evil Lurks is a great horror movie, and you should be spending your money on that instead of this anti-Friedkin mess known as Exorcist Believer. As far as I know, because I am not paying money to go watch it. So there you go. That's my indie movie suggestion for the week. Thank you for your recommendation, Bruce Berkey. Thank you. Thank you, Eric Holmes. <laughs> Recording from your new office offices over at uh, Pikes Peak Library, I believe. And uh, yeah. that, is it. that is it. We will see you next week here on Cinematics. As per usual, here's Claire. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for joining Cinematics.